Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Hello. Welcome to Revolution. Um, as always, we're glad to have folks here, and um, it's a miracle that anybody shows up. But I'm also very happy to have people who are listening online as well, wherever you are, in your car or in your gym. Your, I don't know where else people listen to podcasts, cars or gyms. Um, welcome. Uh, today we're gonna we finished Galatians. But today I'm going to go through a quick overview of Galatians. I uh, call this Galatians in a nutshell for me. <laughs> other people might get other things out of it. Um, but before we get started, I've noticed that I got new glasses and I'm still having a hard time reading. So I went to my eyeglass doctor and they said, you might want to think about what are they called? Promotive progressive lenses which are another word for for uh, bifocals really it's just a sneakier bifocal so um, we decided because I like the skateboard and do things like that that bifocals or progressive lenses weren't for me because you look well you look down and everything's higher so you throws off your perception, and then your your side view gets off too. It's really like great. This is growing up. And they're like you're at that age, sir, which I am. I'm forty two. Um, maybe I should see if they do no line both bifocals. But anyway, I'm getting reading glasses. But I have to get reading glasses from them because my prescription is too powerful that I can't go to the grocery store or whatever, the Walgreens, and pick up reading glasses. So, But I read a lot. That's the problem. I'm taking this class at United, and I'm trying to read some of those books. And I'm also trying to reread uh, The Courage to Be by Paul Tillich, which is already tough enough of a read. You know, like I'm surprised people read that book. That was a popular book at ever because it's just like words put together. Um, So that's hard enough to read without losing your focus, literally (laughs) your eye focus. Um, One of the commentaries I used during the study was um, William Barclay's, William Barclay. And uh, I just want to read what he has to say about about Galatians before we get into this, kind of going through this idea of what Galatians is and what it means. Um, Someone has likened the letter of Galatians to a sword flashing in great swordsman's hands. Both Paul and his gospel were under attack. If that attack had succeeded, Christianity might have become just another Jewish sect It might have become a thing dependent upon circumcision and on keeping the law. 
instead of being a thing of grace. It is strange to think that if Paul's opponents had their own way, the gospel might have been kept for the Jews and we might never have had the chance to know the love of Christ. So that's from William Barclay and his study. And then he's pretty good. I, if you can, if you like reading commentaries, this one is really good. It's the, called the Daily Study Bible Series. And I think he's done everything. So this one's on Galatians and Ephesians. I thought about doing Ephesians next, but then I was like, uh, I struggle with Ephesians a little bit. So maybe Mark. Maybe we'll do the book of Mark. Because isn't that the first gospel? Do we decide that in class that Mark was the first gospel? No, what was his one? He thought Matthew was the first. Yeah. He also he had a lot of thoughts. <laughs> a lot of thoughts about these collection of writings. When you have a professor that's like comes down and basically strips everything down to the bones and doesn't believe in a lot of it, but then they have a nervous, um, their nervous tick is laughing. So you take a serious subject and be like, yeah, and this wasn't real. <laughs> It makes you, it makes you a little unnerving. You're like, wait a second, I believed that my whole life. Did you just laugh? <laughs> but you got to realize it's a tick. Because I have the microphone here, I don't think anybody knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> I go to a very progressive seminary, United Seminary. It's very progressive. Makes me, I've, I, I come off as a conservative there. They're like, you still believe that Jesus was the Son of God? You've got to be kidding me. Um, do you believe Jesus was a man? That's, that's always a good one. Um, but people are people. So the letter of Galatians, in a nutshell... Um, basically, is I just like to go over go over Galatians in each ver- each chapter and kind of pinpoint what stuck out to me, and uh, yeah, just the important parts of Galatians. I love Galatians, and these are the things that I find that are important. Other people might find other things important about it, and that's okay too. Um, but this is what I like. So if you're looking for cliff notes on Galatians, or the study of Galatians we just did, you just have to listen to this one and you can skip the rest of the sermons. So if this is your first one listening about Galatians, don't worry about going back. You'll notice Galatians 4 is, is, I keep quite short. Galatians 4 is the one I always just like, hmm, struggle getting through. You know, you're just kind of like, oh, Galatians 4. So even my favorite book has a lull. But for some people, that's a treasure trove. Four is just like the essence of the book. So, you know, that's what I love about preaching and ideas. Galatians 1, I start with Galatians 6. I am astonished that you are quickly deserting the one who called you in grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. 
I mean, this is the whole idea behind Galatians, is people were turning to a different gospel that Paul was talking about. It was a different idea. And they were saying circumcision, going back to certain holidays, doing these certain things. This is what's important. And this is what Paul was extremely upset about, astonished by. Uh, at one point he calls them foolish Galatians. Uh, in certain translations it says, who's bewitched you? Uh, Paul even goes on to say, if angels came down and preach a different gospel than I, you know, than what I'm preaching, not, you know, don't listen to them. Contrary to what they proclaim to you, let that one be accused. Um, the whole concept behind Galatians is reaching Gentiles, letting Gentiles know that they don't have to become Jews. They don't have to have Judaism in their life in order to be Christians. It is the all-inclusive gospel. Or I call it a gospel. Did I just call it a gospel? Can I call it a gospel? It's in the gospel. All right, brothers and sisters. It's good news. There you go. And uh, and it's earlier than the gospels. So <laughs> it's earlier than any of the gospels. And we look at this, and you see, uh, you'll see Paul's obsession with the post-Easter Jesus in here as well. Um, Galatians 10 says, And now am I, am I seeking human approval or God's approval, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This was the very thing that Paul was being accused of was that he was trying to please people, that he was trying to make Gentiles happy. And, of course, by saying you don't have to be circumcised would probably make a lot of people happy. Uh, but saying you don't have to do certain holidays and certain things like that, they were saying, you know, Paul is just a tickler of your ears. And that's what I think a lot of people who preach progressive, a progressive gospel or, you know, a more liberal gospel, you know, get accused of tickling ears. But the idea is, is why would I go into something where I just want to win people and influence people by preaching the gospel of Jesus? Why would Jesus be what I want to talk about if I'm trying to tickle ears? You know, I mean, I guess there are people who do that and use the gospel that way. Um, you know, telling you you can get rich if you serve Jesus. Maybe maybe that's tickling ears, but it's also telling people to give all their money and requiring sacrifice. So I don't know. But that's what Paul was being accused of, was tickling ears because he was, he was making the gospel too easy. It was good news, and it seemed to be too, too true to be good. Um, that's what I've always liked about the good news, is that it is, holy shit, it's actually good news. You know? That's something I've always liked about it. There are, there are places in in the Bible, in the, in the good book, that uh, don't seem like good news, and you have to wrestle with. Um, Galatians, for me, is not one of those books. Um, and I really like it because it's a Paul book. Twenty-three. The only... It says here, the only... They only heard it said, the one who formerly was persecuting us now proclaims the faith. The one tried destroying it, and they glorify God because of me. Uh, I skipped to that because that was Paul going into 
exactly what his his testimony about him being a Christ Christian destroyer, Christian persecutor. Some would go and say Christian murderer. Um, if it was true about Stephen, that he sat there and held their coats, why Stephen was stoned to death, then I would say, yes, it's probably pretty true that Paul was violently persecuting these Christians. Um, that's another thing where you see grace in a huge light. And that's where another thing where you see grace to being very vital to someone. It's vital because it's got to be true. He wants it to be true. You know, he's had an experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had a vision, and it changed his life, and the grace was so intense and so amazing um, that this is something that he desperately wants it to be true. He's trying to communicate it as truth. He's saying, basically, if I can be covered in grace, by grace, if God, Christ's sacrifice was good enough for me because he was an atonement theory guy, um, then it's good enough. I struggle with atonement theory a little bit here and there, you know, um, because I don't know what how God can want, how God needs something. But that's another sermon for another day. But still the idea was as Paul, for Paul, it made a lot of sense. And it's very, it's very beautiful, the urgency that he's using here. Even though it had been quite a while since his, his vision, it's still very early compared to most of what we have. Um, I've heard some even argue that Galatians could be the earliest writing we have. I've also heard it argued that it's not, so <laughs> everybody has an opinion. Um, in Galatians 2, 6, I'm using a different Bible than I, than I, I originally did, so you have to forgive me. With my eyeballs, and from those who were supposed to be acknowledged leaders, what they actually were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. Now, one of the reasons I like to use six here is because I think if you look at it in a particular light, it is a very inclusive, very inclusive verse. Uh, how is it inclusive that he's saying basically leaders were made no difference to me? But he's saying God shows no partiality. And that's a pretty inclusive way of of thinking. You know, he's saying we're all one in Christ. There's no partiality. God has no favorites. You know, this is a very inclusive way of looking at things. And so when people often think of the writers of the Bible as somehow very special or that, you know, they had something that other normal people didn't have, and I think that that would be something that Paul would disagree with. And I also think this allows us to wrestle and struggle with the Bible. Saying God had no favorites that, you know, when the Bible doesn't agree, it doesn't agree. It doesn't always line up. But it's okay. 
You know, these are people who are struggling with their faith, trying to figure out what, the, what, what this was, what was happening. And they argue with each other. And you know what? We're meant to argue with them. It's okay. You know, I grew up when it was like it had to be, it all had to be true. So there could be no inconsistencies. You know, um, no, what's the word I'm looking for? No contradiction. There was zero contradiction in the Bible. And for a long time, I preached that way. And man, they would talk about doing some, some you know, acrobats. Acrobi- acrobats? Acrobatic? Acrobatics? That was tough. And I could do it. I got good at it because I was raised in the Assemblies of God, so we knew how to do it. But... Uh, but there were some times where you were just like, we're not going to answer that question. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's good news, isn't it? It's just a mystery. Um, Galatians 11 through 14 says, But when Cephas came to Anatoch, opposed him to his face, because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James... He used to eat with Gentiles, but after that they came and drew back, and after that they came and drew back, and kept himself separate in fear of the circumcision faction, which is my band's new name. And the other Jews joined him in the hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrites. But when I saw that they were not acting constantly with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them, all, and this is Paul rebuking Peter, okay? I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? He's basically saying you're a hypocrite. Now, this is also Paul showing that he is important. And this is also Paul going like, look, I stood up to Paul. I mean, Peter. And Peter's the rock of the church. He's the, you know, our pope, basically. And so, I <laughs> don't know if you knew that term. But um, this is the dude. And I stood up to him and say, I'm important. And see, I am an apostle. Because, you know, he was not seen as apostle because he was not with Jesus. And he's going, I am an apostle. So that's another thing he's showing. But he's also showing the, the, the draw of legalism, the draw of separatism, the us versus them type of mentality even drew in Peter and people like that who were afraid. And we often get into groups where we're afraid to stand up and say what's right. And I was reading something yesterday, and I think it was Tillich, who said... uh, When we find courage, we find joy in courage. And I find that Paul seems to be the type of person who has that joy. He has that courage to stand up to power, and there's a joy. Not like, oh, I'm getting getting my kicks off of rebuking you. No, but that he has joy in the truth. He has joy in, in inclusion. And that's part of his courage, his courage to be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's the one thing I understood out of that book so far. Um, 
I have to hear about the Stoics one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, <laughs> oh, how I should have gone to Bible college and not just jumped into going to take classes at seminary. Um, yeah, that's true. So we won't want to do that. Oh, gosh, my brain is mushmash. But man, this class I'm taking on Jesus right now is awesome. It is awesomely challenging. Um, I never realized how high my Christology was. Anyway, back to the point. Um, so Paul is is calling out. It's another area where we realize that Paul's calling out Peter. That another area where we realize that the Bible and the writers of this collection of letters are people we're going to struggle with, rules and regulations we're going to struggle with. And they continue to come back to grace and continue to come back to inclusion is vital and important. You know, we all who are listening to this sermon right now benefited from this conversation, benefited from this book. You know, Paul made it clear. There were times where Jesus was even seemed a little anti-Gentile. I hate it, but it's true. You know, even dogs get crumbs from the table. Anybody remember someone saying that to Jesus? You know, that was a Gentile thing. So, so this is vital stuff here. Um, 16... I think they could make these numbers any smaller. 16, because you know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. And one of the reasons I harp on the works of the law so much is not because I'm against that practices of Judaism or that law, but because I'm against practices that have been built up and turned into the law in the church today. You know, the idea is that you have to do this or you have to be this person or you have to avoid this group or you have to give this up or you have to do that in order to be a real Christian or you have to sacrifice this or you have to whatever. There's just so many laws and rules and regulations that we've invented I mean, hence the millions of denominations that we have. I don't know if there's a million. I'd say there's a million at least in my guesstimate. But um, different denominations off denominations off of denominations is because we can't decide on laws and rules and regulations. And this is saying, you know, it's not by doing these things. These aren't the things. We, these are, we, we were misguided when we get caught into the things of the stuff and the rules, and the who's in and who's out. We miss the point. And that's so much of what this book is, is telling us, is beware of missing the point. Beware of missing out. Beware of becoming prisoners to, to tradition, old or new. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I just listened to Martin Luther King's uh, the drum major instinct on the way here, and it's great to listen to the peep, the crowds. Like, 
yes, yes. You know, he was dynamic human being. Um, and it's weird because I wasn't like, I'm going to plan on listening to this. I just had my my iPod on shuffle when that sermon came up. And oh, it was pretty good stuff. I wish Birmingham, a letter to Birmingham jail had been recorded because I love that's my favorite. I, I honestly think that should have been canonized. I think that should have been put in the Bible and then sealed the canon after that. <laughs> letter to a Birmingham jail. That's it. We took out James and we put it. No, I'm just kidding. We took out the pastoral epistles and put in the letter to Birmingham jail. That's if Jay had his decision. Not up to me, I guess. I guess I could publish my own copy of the Bible and just do that. The new, new, new testament. Because <laughs> there's already a new New Testament. I need to do the third three new. Um, Galatians twenty through twenty-one. Uh was always a favorite of mine, even struggling with, I think I've said that about every verse I've read, always a favorite of mine. Um, always loved it, though, um, no matter what my, my theory, atonement theory, where that laid or where it's been, still this is one of my favorites. Uh, 20... And it's no longer I who live, but, li- but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's 21 is really where it's at. I do not nullify the grace of God, for, to, for justification comes through law, then Christ died for nothing. And I think you can see that in many different ways. But it's very important. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. You could even say then Christ lived for nothing. You know, because Christ came and showed us a new way of living, a new mode of operation, a new way. And, you know, change the law. You know, Jesus said a lot, you've heard it said, but I say, you know, so things got switched around. I mean, no wonder he really upset people. You know, I mean, who is this guy to say this and change the law to his own will and way? And he also talked about he came to fulfill the law, which I think is very important, too. But I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. In the New Living, it says, I'm not one of those who would treat the grace of God as meaningless, for then Christ died in vain, or to treat as Christ died in vain. And I like that idea that Christ died in, the idea of Christ dying in vain seems really strong, or Christ dying for nothing. You know, when we go back to the law, we nullify Christ. We make Christ's life in vain when we go back to these rules and regulations. You know, we forget that Christ said to live in freedom. Now, not freedom to satisfy your 
sinful nature, but freedom to love one another as yourself and, and love God as your, you know, your heart knowledge and your neighbor as yourself. I think it's something important to remember that when we go back to the law and, and really the thing that why I'm probably in ministry today is because I had a friend of mine tell me 20-odd years ago, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been that long. Um, he goes, Jay, you're trying to earn your salvation. You're basically making Christ's death in vain. said this very thing to me. Was I had never read Galatians before. You know, I was probably in my 20s, late, late teens, early 20s. And I don't think I'd read Galatians yet. And he was the one who got me to read Galatians because I thought he was just justifying his own sin. And I was like, whatever helps you sleep at night, that's what I told him. Oh, my gosh. We might have to turn this into a two-parter, you guys, due to time. Um, if that's okay. Galatians in a nutshell, part one and part two. <laughs> um but he said to me, he's like, you know, because I was trying to do all these things. And to me, it was silly things. I mean, it was like smoking and drinking. But drinking wasn't a silly thing for me because it was literally killing me. And I was putting other people's lives in danger. But I thought these things separated me from God. And that there was no way for me to be a Christian if I did these things. And, that's, and I had already started a revolution with friends. So I was already in, doing full-time ministry, you know, barely knowing the Bible, just assemblies of God. So it was like, I'm just called, man. It doesn't matter. Just get me in there, you know. I'm ready. And, uh, but I constantly lived under fear and guilt. You want to talk about fear and trembling? I had it. And it took somebody telling me, you know, you're trying to earn your salvation. You're putting Christ's death in vain because you're living this complete life of fear. I was. I was miserable. I mean, all my I had depression then too, but all my depression was about what a piece of crap I was because God must have hate me because God made a mistake and I was that mistake. You know? And it was because I was trying to earn God's approval because I thought I could follow the law and, uh, how many people feel that way? You know, how many people feel that way? I, and this was my buddy, and he was going to Bible college at the time, and so he was studying and things like that and trying to, like, wake me up out of it. You know, how many people who don't have the chance to get further education, you know, and just go to church on Sunday and hear what the pastor says, feel this way, feel like they're living a life of disappointment, disappointing the ultimate being, you know, disappointing the ground of being. All of meaning is disappointed with you. That's a pretty screwy place to live. You know, and not realizing that that's not how it is. That's not what it is. The truth is, is that you, you are, you're mistaken. You're gravely mistaken because you're free. And that you're doing the opposite. Your instincts 
which are human instincts, which are to earn, to be approved, are doing you a disservice. They're drawing you away from that which is being. Yeah. So with that, man, I had no idea Galatians was going to go this long. But I guess it's going to. With that, we'll uh, call it a day. Um, as always, for those folks who are online listeners, you know, Revolution definitely can use your support. We're nonprofit, um, so we survive uh, through donations. So if you'd like to give, if this is a ch- your church and you feel like you get something out of this church, please feel free to give to Revolution. Um, but as I always say, we'd rather have you listening than we would your money. So, you know, tell somebody about what, that you're listening if you like what you're hearing. Maybe give us a retweet or a, I don't know what they call it when you Facebook it, but just give us a like and then give us a share. That's it. Share us with others. Or if you've got friends in Minnesota, say, hey, have you ever heard of Bryant Lake Bowl? Sundays at 11. Those are also other ways you can help right now. Um, But yeah, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and you can donate there, or you can go to our Facebook page and there's a donation button there, which I don't know. Just look for the cobwebs and uh, (laughs) move those aside and then click on that. But yeah, thanks a lot for listening and always. This is Revolution Church.